Perhaps one remembers studying about the early Cold War, or even living it, a time when the fear of communism led to countless investigations and witch hunts that ruined the lives of many, including known celebrities. But did you know that the same Hollywood that banished suspected communists from its ranks bent over backward just a few years later to entertain the leader of the so-called evil communist empire? I am your host, Peter Zablocki, and this is History Shorts. The Cold War was a geopolitical and ideological struggle between the United States and the Soviet Union that lasted from the end of World War II in 1945 until the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. The tensions initially arose over issues such as the division of Germany, the status of Eastern European countries liberated by the Red Army, and the establishment of the United Nations. By 1950, the Soviet Union and the United States were deep within a conflict for world domination, an ideological and geopolitical confrontation that played out on multiple fronts including political, economic, military, and ideological arenas, and had a profound impact on global geopolitics for several decades. By the time Nikita Khrushchev rose to the Soviet party hierarchy in 1953 following Stalin's death, the United States was amidst its own inner struggle with communism, one which even its most known and glamorous citizens could not escape from. The investigations into alleged communist influence in various sectors of American society, including the entertainment industry, were conducted by the United States House Un-American Committee, more commonly known as HUAC. Individuals who were accused of being communists or refusing to cooperate with HUAC were blacklisted, meaning they were effectively banned from working. This prohibition extended to actors, writers, directors, and other professionals, and was supported by Hollywood studios who feared financial and political repercussions. Yet to everyone's surprise, just a few years after the height of the communist hysteria, the very same studio executives clamored to welcome the Soviet premier Nikita Khrushchev to Tinseltown. The Soviet premier's visit to the United States in September of 1959 was a significant event. The Geneva Summit of 1955, attended by leaders from the United States, the Soviet Union, the United Kingdom, and France, laid the groundwork for future diplomatic exchanges. While no major agreements were reached, the summit initiated a dialogue contributing to modest reduction in Cold War tensions. Both superpowers recognized the importance of people-to-people diplomacy and cultural exchanges. The American National Exhibition in Moscow in 1959, which showcased American consumer goods and technology was a significant event that provided an opportunity for Khrushchev to reciprocate with a symbolic gesture, a visit to the United States. The American public awaited the Soviet leader's arrival with much anticipation. The New York Daily News headline surmised the overall feeling when it asked, Khrushchev, man or monster? The bolt-headed, short, stocky man arrived with his entourage at Andrews Air Force Base on September 15, 1959, to one woman in a crowd exclaiming, What a funny little man. After welcoming speeches, the 13-day tour of the United States began with a visit to a Maryland farm where Khrushchev complained that American pigs were too big and turkeys too small. Then came New York City where the Soviet premier downplayed the most famous skyrise, the Empire State Building, with a comment that once one saw one skyscraper, they had seen them all. Still, the biggest part of the U.S. tour was the subsequent visit to Hollywood, California, for a by-invitation-only lunch at 20th Century Fox and a screening of Can Can, a risque Broadway musical. The venue could only hold 400 people. The same Hollywood that banished anyone even remotely suspected of communism just five years before was now forced to refuse admittance to anyone not fitting the bill of the largest star. 
Wives and agents were not permitted, and the only husband-wife teams allowed were those where both were stars, such as Elizabeth Taylor and Eddie Fisher. And while the famed author and Broadway and Hollywood writer Arthur Miller was not allowed because he was deemed too leftist and radical, his wife Marilyn Monroe was all but forced to attend by the studio executives. At first, Marilyn, who did not follow the news or read newspapers, declined the invitation, admitting she had no idea who Nikita Khrushchev was. But the studio insisted, telling her that in Russia, America meant two things, Coca-Cola and Marilyn Monroe. She agreed to go. And the studio made sure to tell her she was to wear the tidiest, sexiest dress, a low-cut black dress. The luncheon was filled with the who's who of Hollywood and the time's most glamorous stars from Dean Martin and Gary Cooper to Liz Taylor and Debbie Reynolds. Mingling between the stars were plainclothes policemen, both Soviet and American. A forensic chemist of the LAPD ran the Geiger counter over the food in the kitchen to ensure that it was free of radioactive poisoning. Khrushchev took a seat at the head table with his wife Nina at the adjacent table, sitting between Bob Hope and Frank Sinatra, to whom she showed pictures of her grandchildren. After speeches from the studio executives, the Soviet premier, who had just learned from the head of the American security team that he could not go to Disneyland because of security measures, stood up to speak. After talking about Soviet superiority for over half an hour, Khrushchev began to turn red as he questioned the great American policeman about preventing him and his wife from going to Disneyland. I was just told that I could not go to Disneyland, he proclaimed. Why not? Do you have rocket launching pads there? The angry premier could not fathom that someone of his status would be told no. What is it? Is there an epidemic of cholera there? Have gangsters taken hold of the place? Once finished with his Disneyland meltdown, Khrushchev went into the theater to watch the musical, but not before meeting Marilyn Monroe. The short, heavyset man took her hand and looked her over like a prized possession. You are a lovely lady, he said. Marilyn had seen that look before. She smiled and answered, My husband, Arthur Miller, sends you his greetings. Khrushchev never made it to Disneyland. His American guides instead took him to see new housing developments. He would leave back for the Soviet Union a couple of days later, and the Cold War between the two nations would continue for another 32 years. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out History Shorts on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your shows. You can also visit HistoryShortsPodcast.com.